You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Tuesday, August 29th. The 49ers are hours away from cutting their roster down to 53 players and just 12 days away from facing the Steelers in week one. And for a team that has so many big expectations for the year, they have an unsettling amount of, I think, I's to dot and T's to cross. And so joining me to discuss what the 49ers have to fix, what they have to get settled before week one is Alan Styles of 95-7 The Game. How are you doing today, Alan? Steph, good to be with you. We talked a little bit before the show. Thank you for making the time. It's crazy right now. I know you know you're putting out a ton of good content. Um, and there's a lot of content to talk about. So thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, the 49ers are, are nothing short of maybe the most entertaining like team in the <laughs> NFL as far as yeah. like content goes and all that. They make it easy for us. So I do appreciate right. that. And quite honestly, we probably won't even talk about the Trey Lance situation in this episode. And that was already like a big, big thing, a big cloud mm-hmm. hanging over the 49ers. And okay, they, they got it resolved. All right. So that's a question that I guess we have answered. We know who the yeah. QB2 is. Let's leave that as it is. Now, the other big question that now we're all focused on, of course, is Nick Bosa, right? right. It's a very big question that I could say, I think we were all kind of, distracted with the whole quarterback conversation that we weren't really worried about Nick Bosa. And now I think we're at a point where we're there. We're, we're a little worried because again, we're 12 days away from week one and there's no doubt in my mind that this gets done eventually, but eventually it might be a little too late for week one for my taste. And so that's a problem. Um, You know, Nick Bosa not being out there with your defense will obviously hurt them and it'll hurt the team too. So I I don't know. This needs to get done ASAP though. No, I would agree. And we had on the, on the show, we had on a couple different guys. We had a guy, a writer from sports on. And basically the way he was explaining the cap to us. And basically his whole point was he had an article where he was saying that this is more complicated than people think it's not just open the wallet. I mean, Ultimately, is it just open the wallet and get it done? Yes, but there are a lot of other things that come with that. And he said, worst case scenario would be Nick Bosa missing week one. So that's worst case scenario. And we had on somebody else who basically had the Niners projected as the number four offense in the league. And without Nick Bosa, they had them at number seven, which is still really good, which is still really good, still top 10, but There's a difference between top five and not top five. And especially, look, Steph, I know people can get hot and, and okay, this is the trending name, but a lot of people are talking about Kenny two gloves. A lot of people are talking about Kenny Pickett. You're we're going to talk about the kicking situation. Who do you trust with the game on the line? You got to go to Pittsburgh. So it would behoove the Niners to not go to Pittsburgh without Nick Bosa. Absolutely. I mean, week one is one game because it's against the Steelers. You don't want to fuck mm-hmm. around with like, no, you, you just no, can't, you can't, no. you can't afford not to with Tomlin, not Tomlin. No, no, you can't. And so 
with all of this already hanging over the 49ers that, oh, these slow starts like historically that they've had under Kyle Shanahan just adds another layer that Nick Bosa is still not with the team. And so that's yeah. my point, right? Like, obviously, this team is going to be good. Like, we we know that much. It's a top five roster in the NFL. No of doubt course, about that. Of course. But they still managed to have so many issues and like question marks all going into the offseason. Like it's just such a unique team. And usually those questions do surround the quarterback position. Like I said, I think most of those are answered right now. Mm -hmm. But of course, Nick Bosa, the big cloud hanging over the 49ers head. They need to get that resolved before week one. And Again, that's like another thing. We can't really say too much about it because we have no idea what is going on and what the hangup is. No, and I, and I am, I again, we're not bringing up the Trey Lance trade, but just in that, the whole, well, we're saving money. And then you see one, one person say they're saving money. Then you see somebody else say they're actually not saving money. So I've gotten to the point where I'm just waiting. It really doesn't matter to me because let's say if things, the, the reason the, the saving the money thing doesn't make much sense to me is because let's say we know Brock Purdy isn't really, a, isn't a cap hit at all. So let's say Trey Lance did ball out, right? Let's say Trey Lance was the guy you still brought in Sam Donald because let's say Brock Purdy wasn't good, but you're good enough to hang around a QB three. You, what, what would have, what would have happened then? Would you have not have signed Nick Bosa because Trey Lance is good and still, he's still on his rookie deal. It's just a yeah. more rookie deal because he went in the first round in top five. So I don't really understand the, well, now that Trey's gone thing, because the plan wasn't for this to happen to Trey, but the plan was always to keep Bosa. So I don't really buy that one either. I don't either. And I think like Kyle Shanahan was even asked about that. Like does, you know, what was saved from the Trey Lance trade yeah. now help the Nick Bosa situation. And, you know, he said he's not really involved in the negotiations to begin with, but he doesn't see that making a huge difference in the grand scheme right. of things. So I really don't think it does. I mean, we're talking about pennies when it comes to Bosa's deal because we know how massive that's probably about to be. So yeah, yeah. I, if I had to guess, that's probably the the sticking point. And I think like the 49ers clearly would want to keep the first two years of his deal pretty low. And maybe Bosa doesn't want that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We're just speculating at this point. There's look, something. There's something is off. Something is. Off. I saw some, another report. There's a lot of things off right now. That said that they don't <laughs> even think they're that close. Yeah, and that's concerning, right? Like Ian Rappaport saying all these things that yeah. like there hasn't been communication. And then, you know, a few days later, he's like, okay, there's some communication now. Right, it, right. It, who's talking? Is it the 49ers talking through Ian or is it Nick Bose's agent? Um, someone is. Somebody so. is. And it ain't <laughs> local because if the whether yeah. the Trey Lance thing wasn't local, I think that was Ian Rappaport too. So none of this stuff is happening locally, which is another kind of weird layer to this. It's just bizarre. Who whoever the leak is in the organization, they're going, they're taking it national. They're not going to the local people, but <laughs> doesn't matter what is coming out. The bottom line is, are you prepared to go into Pittsburgh? without Nick Bosa. And the question is for Kyle Shanahan, is he thinking about that? As much as he's saying we're good, we're solid, I'm not worried about it. I, I think what was it? A week ago, 2 weeks ago, Kyle Shanahan said this is how I saw it all playing out. Is this is that still what you think, Kyle? I'm just I'm trying to 
whatever you say, but yeah, it's going to be something else. If we spent the beginning of this summer trying to figure out who's going to be opposite Nick Bosa. So if I you know, can't even figure out right? who's going to be opposite Nick Bosa, imagine trying to replace Nick Bosa. That was our biggest worry yeah. of like starting the off season and going into the draft and simpler times. Like I kind of, <laughs> I kind of miss those days Yeah. Um, because looking at the depth outside of Bosa, it's not, it's really not great. And so I don't know if that had, it's because we haven't seen Bosa in there that, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't, it's like a, you know, domino effect, not sure. But look, the one, I guess, positive that you can draw from the Nick Bosa situation is that with the roster cuts happening, and like we said, 1 p.m. Pacific is when those are going to be final, Nick Bosa at least won't count towards that 53 because currently he's on the reserve list, did not report. So the 49ers can sneak in one extra person on their roster, which I'm sure they're not complaining about in the interim while Nick Bosa is still holding out. But there's a lot of injuries like to account for right now, and that makes the, the roster cut conversation a little more complicated as well. And again, like we'll get a resolution or an answer to these things shortly in a few hours, but mm-hmm. look. There's, there's so many positions impacted, wide receiver, tight end, kickers, like the secondary. I mean, we talked about like Robert Beal, for example, he has a hamstring injury. And so what, what that, does that help or does that hurt like them trying to figure this out? Because yeah. keep in mind, there are some players who are probably not going to make the roster or weren't going to make the roster that are injured. And the 49ers would have to put them on IR and then do an injury settlement, which requires money. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it makes this whole thing a little more complicated for the team. But one that I really want to talk about is the kicker situation. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, to me, that's another really big question hanging over the 49ers right now yeah. going into week one. And week one, I would expect, would be a defensive battle. It might come down to the kicker winning the game or making that final score there at the end, right? So the 49ers currently don't know who that guy's going to be. I can tell you right now it's not going to be Zane Gonzalez, and I can tell you right now it's not going to be Jake Moody. So who's it going to be? The 49ers reportedly are in the kicker market, you Mm -hmm. know, via trade, things like that. I'm sure they're calling some guys too. They had to work out with a couple guys yesterday. But – I mean, what what do they do with the kicker situation? It's not good. Yeah, and right now is not the time to talk about the pick because we know Jake Moody was dead red during training camp. So maybe it was the yips. It seemed like he was starting to get rid of them in that second game, the walk-off, the second preseason game. Started to think, okay, we're moving in the right direction, and then he gets injured. So it's not great. Everybody is – it's a kicking merry-go-round right now. The question is – how do you pick who do you think is the best out of the worst? Because what whoever's <laughs> left has been released, right? Who has been waived. So who do you think can get it done from that group? And the way I look at it is, all right, you can't go over two. You cannot go no Nick Bosa and have a, a issue at the kicking situation. That's why, again, Nick Bosa is so important because you're going to probably have it. It's going to be an unknown at the kicking, at the kicking situation. And and they're talking about bringing back Robbie, Robbie gold. Is it possible? I think so. I think it's possible. I think anything is possible right now. I mean, the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't. So 
see if he picks up the phone and, and see what see what happens there. If Moody is ready to go, great. You're going to be in a high situation, high level situation, like you said. I just feel like there's never any number one. I know it is a daytime game, but I feel like there's never any daytime games in Pittsburgh, and it's never warm. It's there's never a date. Everything's at night. It's always cold, and it's always a one score game. So no I know I'm I'm joking here. I know it's a daytime game, and it should be pretty warm. But that one score thing. I feel like Mike Tomlin is always in a tight game. So if you run him out the building and you bo- you boat ra- boat race him, fine. If you don't do that and this is a big deal, that's where things can get sticky. No, I'm telling you, I'm expecting this game to be really close. And yeah. so that's why the, the kicker needs to be figured out. Now, yes, a lot of people have been mentioning Robbie Gold. Look, in a perfect world, sure, Robbie Gold does come back. But if I'm Robbie Gold, why would I even pick up that phone? You know what I mean? Mm. Just because the 49ers are looking for a Band-Aid at kicker. I mean, that much is true. They're probably going to roll with Jake Moody at some point in the season as soon as he's healthy. So why would Robbie Gold even come for just a few weeks when I'm sure there are some teams who are at least interested in him as a full season option. I mean, I mean, it just depends on where you're at with your pride because it's kind of similar to be honest. Is it really all that different than Jimmy Garoppolo coming back? I mean, the Niners are they're They're famous for this stuff. And Jimmy had some things to say. I'm sure you saw on sports illustrated spicy mm-hmm. Jimmy uh, letting yeah. them have it too. So, I mean, if I'm Robbie, I'm thinking, all right, on one hand, I got my pride. You guys can kick rocks. You said I was done. The other hand, nobody else has picked me up. So how yeah. I don't know how disrespectful it really was. And number two, they're top five for Super Bowl favorites. So I get to kick it. Even if you go with Moody, would they would probably make Robbie number two, I would think, maybe. See, that's where it gets interesting because at that point, if you bring Robbie Gold back because Mm -hmm. of how this situation has all transpired, is there a scenario in which Jake Moody can maybe just spend the year on IR? Like, just Trey Lance him for one year. (laughs) I mean, you could. I mean, anything is possible unless unless they truly think, hey... We want, we will, that's why they drafted him in the third round. We need him now and we don't trust, we trust Robbie. That's the thing. If you trust Robbie for week one in Pittsburgh, then you probably trust him in other situations. There would be more trust in Robbie Gold right now than there yes. would be in Jake Moody. I could tell you that. Like, yeah. I mean, Jake Moody was really shaky throughout the preseason. So yeah. that's why I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't even be surprised if if they were kind of, you know, clenching a little bit at the thought mm-hmm. of rolling with Moody, but they would have to do it just based on where he was. This injury right. kind of, if anything, gives them kind of an out potentially. Do you remember this guy? I'll never forget because this was, it was almost not unheard of, but this was a couple years ago. His name was Robert Aguayo. Do you remember yes. him on Florida yes. State? So he went in the second round to Tampa dead red throughout his whole career and he could not i think he played maybe five six years in the nfl but was never could never get back to where he was as a college kicker from the jump like very similar to jake moody so hopefully we don't have a similar situation there but when jake moody started missing things i thought 
I've seen this story before and I had to Google it because it's been a while and I'm Googling Florida State kicker taken early. I didn't know how early, but yeah, they <laughs> took him in the second round and it did not end up working out. So hopefully we don't get there with Jake Moody, but number one, you got to get on the field and, and get your confidence right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is a big thing. So maybe putting him on ice wouldn't be, you know, the best strategy. Yeah. But it's, it's these are the decisions that the 49ers do have to make. So that's another thing. We already talked about Nick Bosa. We already talked about the kicker situation. At this point, you know, going down to rosters and everything like that, I still feel like another question mark for me has been the nickel position for the 49ers. Mm -hmm. They signed Isaiah Oliver this off season. They told us he was the best nickel available in all of free agency. They made it happen. And then in the preseason, he does not look like <laughs> the yeah, best. Kicker. I mean, bit. sorry, the best nickel in free agency. He doesn't even look like the best nickel on the team. Yeah, That's an issue. Mm-hmm. So, and then the 49ers try to tell us, well, it, it, there's competition there. I don't think it's competition because other people stepped up. I think, right. you, you know, Ambry Thomas and Samuel Womack maybe just happened to be fine players to make it a conversation. But Isaiah Oliver, it, it's all because that hasn't worked out so far. Right. So, it, it's interesting to see what they will do. Steve Wilkes has said, like, we can rotate those guys. I also think that's a cop-out answer because it kind of just works out that way, that because Isaiah Oliver is just not good enough to claim or or say he's your nickel corner. Yeah. Neither is Ambry Thomas or right. Lenore. Well, Lenore, he, I'd prefer him to be on the outside. But mm-hmm. there isn't anyone that's like, that's your nickel. And so now they're saying, oh, well, we'll we'll rotate them and probably hoping that one of those guys like steps up. But that's another question mark for me. Big one. No, I hear you. I guess the thing is, when you're talking about a top five defense, there isn't a perfect defense out there. I mean, they they, they are there have been in the past. Right. So you're going to have you're going to have some holes. You just want to limit how big they are and how much they hurt you. So. I hear you on it. I also just think that, okay, well, the Niners, they're so good in so many other places. And I like Sammy Womack a lot. I I think he's got potential. But, yeah, is it so much of – I guess the question is it's based on how good the defense is in total. So is is that position not good compared to the rest of the Niners' defense, or is it just not good – period, right? So that is what we're going to learn. And we're going to learn quick because I've been watching those highlights of Kenny two gloves and he's got <laughs> he a good. lot. He's got a lot of confidence right now. I'll tell you that much. He he looks good for sure. He's, he's definitely ready to take another step. And that kind of goes back to the Nick Bosa conversation too, because if the defensive line is good, it's going to make your secondary look better. Right. Now, if Nick Bosa is not out there, your secondary might struggle a little bit mm-hmm. because the, the defensive line is then going to have got an more issue time. The quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. Someone like, as you mentioned, Pickett, who's looking good, like he might be able to expose that in week one. So mm-hmm. again, you can't get into a situation where your nickel situation isn't resolved and you can't get into a situation where Nick Bosa is still without his extension come week one. So those things I think do go hand in hand. Um, and I think like it, it's fair to question whether this defense may start slow. I mean, mm-hmm. I I know there's certain parts of it that like Fred Warner, for example, you don't worry about a guy like Fred Warner. Right. Like he's he's always ready to go, always on 10. But 
outside of that, we're talking about the defensive line. The secondary has always been shaky. Steve Wilkes, I think they brought him in to improve the secondary as well. I do believe he will do that. But again, if the defensive line is not ready and they don't have that guy, Nick Bosa, then it, it could get ugly to start the season. And isn't Huga injured as well? So, yes, he has like a Baker cyst yeah. um, at the back of his knee. And so I didn't know this. I was like, you know, Baker cyst, I, I don't think that's a huge deal. But then I was talking uh, with Jay and Rob earlier on Bully Ball. And they're like, that can turn into like a tear or something like that. So I'm like, oh, that's that's concerning then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully it could it's something that could get cleaned up and Hufunga's available for the season and it's not something that lingers or anything but that's another thing to to keep in mind for this team and the fact that there's so many injuries right now already I think like already tell you okay like man are we gonna do this again like Mm -hmm. are we gonna have another injury riddled season for this team I keep saying it this team if they want to go where they want to go the injuries is the only thing that stands in their way and so I agree. Looking at, yeah. And looking at the injuries right now, I'm like, oh, like, ooh, could get shaky. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the wide receivers because there's a number of injuries at the wide receiver position. And again, this could impact the, the 53 as well. So Ray Ray McLeod, broken wrist. He was going to be out eight weeks. So he might miss the first few weeks of the season. Fine. Um, Ronnie Bell has stepped up. So at least like, you know, the return game could maybe be okay while he's gone. Danny Gray has a shoulder injury. Chris Conley, shoulder injury as well. You know, Danny Gray, Conley, those are guys who I think may or may not make the roster. And I only say that because Danny Gray, I think he was drafted as a compliment to Trey Lance and, and what Trey Lance would give you as a quarterback. And now with Trey Lance gone, yeah. like, what do you need Danny Gray for? I've never seen Danny Gray catch a ball from anybody other than Trey Lance. I don't think it exists. I don't think it's allowed. It wasn't allowed. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. So like, does that make Danny Gray expendable at this point? Yeah. Like, do they say like, let's just move on from Danny Gray. The injury could maybe, you know, again, give them an out, a temporary out where they just, put him on IR for the season Mm -hmm. and that could make way for Chris Conley, who again is working with a shoulder injury right now. But I think Chris Conley looked good in the preseason. I would keep him around. Um, And he's also a veteran. So I I like that presence as well. But I mean, it's interesting. They, they have some decisions to make at the wide receiver group as well. I guess like the one thing that gives me solace is that Ronnie Bell did step up and he looks, he did. He did. He did. And look, we know that there were some bad drops that led to interceptions, but young dude. And I've always said that Kyle Shanahan definitely has a type when it comes to players that he wants on his team, whether he drafts them or acquires them via free agency or trade. And Ronnie Bell is the prototypical Kyle Shanahan wide receiver, not afraid of contact trying to get that those extra yards. And you you honestly, I mean, there were drops, not fumbles, but that's what comes with it. When you're a guy, and Ronnie Bell does not look like the thickest dude in the yeah. world. He, he's kind of a, a squirrely wide receiver, but he's going to, you know, maybe have the chip on his shoulder because of that. And he wants to let you know, you know, I can still throw my weight around, whatever it is. So he's a guy who, I mean, if you're looking, it's hard to, it's hard to look at the Niners offense right now and have a discussion about 
the the Ronnie Bells and the Chris Conleys just thinking, I mean, throughout the course of a game, I don't know how much action these guys are going to get. I mean, half the yeah. time we forget about Jawan Jennings, who's higher <laughs> on the totem pole. So, yeah. and, and to me, it, what's interesting is Jawan Jennings is a guy we know everybody loves a third and Jawan. Is it crazy to say that Ronnie Bell fits this scheme better than Jawan Jennings? I mean, J- Jawan Jennings is essentially a change of pace type wide receiver. Okay. He comes in in certain packages, but for a guy, for a guy that you can maybe see more than, you know, more than just, okay, third, third and Juwan or here, here, I would think you could argue Ronnie Bell is more of the everyday wide receiver. If, if Debo went down, right. God forbid Debo or, or Brandon Ayuk, I could see Shanahan using, he might not be higher on the, on the list, Mm -hmm. but I could see Shanahan thinking, Ronnie Bell is going to get more touches than Juwan Jennings, just uh, based on how I want to run my offense. Who was it that stepped in last year when Debo Samuel was hurt? It was Ray Ray McLeod. And I feel like some of those skill sets that Ronnie Bell has very, very similar, different kind of receivers, but overall like the skill set of what they're able to do within this offense. I think I see that translating pretty well. And I agree with you. I think Ronnie Bell would get that opportunity. And you said it, he's definitely like a 49ers wide receiver. Yeah. Like definitely what Kyle Shanahan wants to have. Um, you know, as part of his offense. So I, I agree with you there. But you mentioned the drops, and that reminded me of someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you, you know, if people in the comments, let me know if you know who I'm talking about. Cameron Latu. Oh, um, man. Yeah. And so he has a meniscus injury. And there's speculation that this could be like a, a phantom injury because maybe the 49ers – based on what they saw, weren't really convinced that he should have a spot on the 53. I would agree with them if that was the case and maybe thought, okay, we don't, we obviously don't want to cut him. He was a third round pick. Let's put him on IR uh, with an injury. Yeah. So that could be the scenario for Latu. I I wouldn't mind it if that was the plan. Yeah. And and obviously short, small sample size, but he did also in that tray, the walk-off field goal, he made some catches. It felt like everybody playing in that, in, in that drive, the main guys, lots who not so much Ronnie, well, even Ronnie Bell, cause he had drops early. They all mm-hmm. kind of made themselves feel much better about where they were. Trey Lance included. And then obviously ending it with uh, Jake Moody. So they all felt good about it. But again, it's a body of work, not just a random preseason game. And Latu, that's the thing, Steph. It, it comes to the point now where it seems that the Niners, and I don't think this is exclusive to the Niners. I think there's some teams that just can't draft positions very well, right? For whatever the reason is, okay? Yeah. Bill Belichick can't really draft wide receivers that well. He can draft a, a quarterback from a, a D1 FCS school and turn them into a wide receiver, but an actual yeah. wide receiver, not good. The Niners, the good thing is they don't miss very much, but there are positions that they do seem to miss quite often on. And this backup, they have not been able to get a full-fledged back-end tight end for George Kittle, who's not getting any younger. And it just gets to the point where is there nobody you could have found in free agency or just traded for? I get you want to bring in somebody new, so you bring in the young guy and hopefully – his catching version of the yips go away probably next season. I don't think that the Niners are thrilled to see him this season, but then what do you do with that spot? You were hoping that he might slide into. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think the plan was to keep Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly. I think the plan was to like move off of those guys. And ideally this year, I will say that, you know, tight end is one of those positions that's really like it it takes longer for tight ends to develop in the NFL than other positions. And especially in this offense. I mean, I I think even George Kittle has spoken on how difficult it was for him to, you know, get acclimated with the offense because there's just so much to do and learn um, and responsibility. But, you know, clearly these guys are going to need more time. So now they kind of have to pivot a little bit. They're probably going to, you know, continue on with Charlie Warner and Dwelly and you're just going to have to wait to develop these guys. So yeah, Latu probably going on IR. I think that probably works out for the better for them for now, just because, you know, I don't think Latu's, uh, you know, really ready. But I like uh, these guys going on the practice squad. I would assume they go on the practice squad. Braden Willis and Troy Fumagalli, I think mm-hmm. they they looked pretty good in the preseason and throughout camp. So worth a gander in, in yes. you know, maybe next season. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Someone you know, asked about or or said mentioned Quana here said with Trey Gall, national media shifting their criticism and skepticism to Purdy, a lot of pressure on the kid. He's small and not good throwing to his right. I, I would push back on on like the notion that national media is shifting criticism. I haven't heard any criticism on on Brock Purdy really. I think there's like qu- there's fair questions with Purdy, but you know, I think for the most part. He's looked good throughout the preseason, and I don't think anyone who has seen him play in this offense, like, there's no reason to be concerned other than, of course, like, the elbow and how he would look. But I think those concerns are are kind of, for the most part, out the window. But, Alan, yesterday there was, like, some reports from some of the beat writers. He was on this pitch count. He he wasn't warming up with the team and then proceeded to take all the first-team snaps in team period. Based on your reaction, it doesn't seem like you're very worried about that. No, and if you listen to me on 95.7 The Game, you know, I I have been thrown into this thrown into this pile being a Purdy hater when I'm not a Purdy hater. I actually, you know, I was riding dirty with Purdy from day one. The Brock is hot. We made all these funny names about it. So I like Purdy. To me, I just think that you have to see more. He's not an unknown. I would say he's a unknown. He, we know what, when he got in, he looked really good. We just, we don't, we don't know, but you know, for people who want to say, Hey, he is our franchise guy. That's fine. The way I see it is, Hey, he's the guy this year. And I honestly, Steph, I think that's how Kyle Shanahan is looking at it. I think he believes Brock Purdy can be the guy for the next four or five years, but he's really just looking at it this year. Cause that's all you can do. And to the national media piece of it, I think it's just, there's one less thing to talk about. I think the Trey Lance criticism, I think they're two separate entities. So when you decide we're moving off of our third pick overall for this dude who looked really good in what? Eight games. He was undefeated, broke rookie records. Now, okay, well, since you're so in on this guy, and I think that's the thing. I put out a poll on my Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it not too long ago. And really the question was, And I want to know your thoughts on this, Steph. The question was, when you hear Lynch or Shanahan talk about Brock Purdy, does it feel like they're talking about him as in in terms of him just being better 
than Trey Lance, more ready than Trey Lance, or ready, period. Because personally, the way they're talking to me, we've spent so much time talking about Trey Lance's development. Nobody's talked about Brock Purdy's development. Right. I mean, it's just Brock is we're getting rid of Trey because he's not ready, which makes which flips it to, okay, you're telling me Brock is ready. But is it more ready than Trey or ready, period? And I think that's what people are more people. It was 70, 30. I had like 100 votes and it was 70, 30, 70 percent said the way they're talking makes it sound like he's ready, period. And he's only a second year guy. I, yeah, I understand the, you know, we don't we don't have a large enough sample size mm-hmm. of Brock Purdy to know, but I think based on what we have seen, yes. he does look ready. Agreed. And so I I would not be surprised at all if that was a sentiment inside the building. I mean, clearly, clearly it is. I think they're even more confident in Brock Purdy than we as fans are. Like Yeah. Calling Kyle Shanahan calling Brock Purdy the real deal is I I think enough for me to think, okay, like they're, they're set on him and they do think he's a franchise quarterback. Now that being said, like you raise a good point that they're probably just thinking like this year. Yeah. Because I I forgot who said it. I keep forgetting who said it, but someone said that Kyle Shanahan is like very Mm short-sighted and he's really just looking at like, you know, this year or the next after that. And so Brock Purdy could very well just be the answer for this year and the year after that. And beyond that, we really don't know. I it mean, Kyle Shanahan literally said, we don't know who's going to be yeah. alive Sunday. Right. So mm-hmm. like that. And that, I think that's just the way he thinks. Yeah, no, I was just saying it. I think it was Peter King who said that what, what you were talking about. I remember seeing that report too. And look, that, that here's the thing. And again, I'm not hating on Brock. The question is simply, it is impossible to talk about this Niner offense and not talk about all the weapons. So the question ultimately is if you don't get it done this year or next year, right. And we know Ayuk might be on the chopping block just based on numbers at that point, I guess they're hoping two options, either a, they win one or multiple while they are fully loaded or B, even if they don't, by the time you lose an Ayuk or dare I say a Debo for whatever's work for whatever, now you 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 would feel like Brock doesn't need all of that at that point. So that's where I think they're stuck in between just trying to figure out, okay, where are we? Where are we going to be within Brock's development? Because that's the thing. I, I and I and I'll say this: Kyle Shanahan doesn't need a quarterback to throw guys open. Kyle Shanahan needs a quarterback to not miss guys when they are open. And that's what Brock Purdy does. He does not miss. Now, there are not many. He, I haven't really seen him throw guys open because he hasn't really needed to, right? Put it in a position where you can keep going. You don't have to reach backwards. We saw even Sam Darnold with a couple. We know Trey did it. Mm-hmm. But even yeah. Sam Darnold with a couple where you'd have to reach back. That's the type of stuff that it's a completion. But that type of stuff, I would imagine, pisses Kyle off. Because you're stopping your momentum. So it's less about this traditional, hey, this quarterback's got to beat you, you know, vertical and things like that. Just put the ball where it needs to be. And a lot of people think of that as a slight on Brock Purdy, but it's really not. It's really just understanding the scheme. And look, could Brock Purdy air it out like other guys? I don't know. We might not need to find out, but ultimately it doesn't matter if the Niners are winning games. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't need to. And that's the yeah. thing, like, I, I don't think people 
it's been so many years we've seen this Kyle Shanahan offense and and so many quarterbacks in it. They're not an air it out offense. They're a, you know, we're going to gash you. We're going to march down the field and we're going to let our playmakers, you know, do the heavy lifting as well. And he schemes it up that way. So the quarterback really doesn't have to do much, not to say that it's easy because I think now with all the quarterbacks that we've seen Mm -hmm. in it, and I think this off season is a great example. Sam Darnold at times, like not as good with like, getting the timing right on some of these throws. But Brock Purdy, I would say, is, you know, far ahead in in that department. I think even better than Jimmy Garoppolo in, mm-hmm. in that regard. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty good at it, too, and he could get the ball out pretty quickly. But I think Brock Purdy is slightly a little more decisive as well. So I think yeah. that gives him the edge. And so it works. Now, I don't think they really need to change anything. Now, if Kyle Shanahan did have a gunslinger and he did have a guy who can air it out, yeah, he'd probably like experiment with that a little yeah, bit. Keep but Danny Gray. Keep Danny to. Gray. <laughs> yeah, just in case. <laughs> you never know when you might need him once yeah. once a season. Right, uh, right. But, but you know, it, it works. And so, like, for people who criticize Brock Purdy and say, like, oh, he's just a dink and dunk guy, like you'll never be able to win long term with him. That's the Kyle Shanahan like offense as far as exactly. we've seen it here in San Francisco. So it's you can't knock Brock Purdy for that. No, I mean, he's executing can't. the offense as as it's called by Kyle. No, and I think one thing you see with Brock is he makes things look I, I, I and I'm realizing this as I'm saying it, he makes things look easy. So when you make things yeah. look easy, people take it for granted. And when you see Brock hit somebody I'll never forget. I mean, the first throw when he came back that first, that second preseason game, it wasn't that uh, everybody knows. And I was making fun too, because I do like to joke. Okay. Well, it was a Debo drive. I was joking. Cause that's what I like to do. But that one pass to Juwan Jennings, where he wanted to flat and it wasn't there, the short route. And then he found Juwan as, as easy as that looked right. It just spoke to the way he processes because Mm -hmm. I feel like Jimmy and even in Trey, not, I wouldn't even put Trey in this category, but even Sam Darnold, when you see the half feet from Jimmy or from Sam Darnold, that means that whatever they've gone through in their mind, they've, they've eclipsed, like they've hit their match. Okay. I was supposed to go here, then here, then here. And none of those are there. And now I'm kind of worried. Is some of that having Christian McCaffrey? Sure, but Christian McCaffrey, Brock hasn't had him during the preseason. Mm -hmm. And the way that he processes, Brock is already thinking about what the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth options are before he says hike. And I think that's why he makes things look easy. And then in turn, everybody says, well, anybody can do that. But to be honest, and, and I'm not trying to just bear with me here. Steph Curry, when you watch Steph shoot, it makes you feel like anybody can make a three-pointer. It makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I would say Brock does. I, and it, and look, the offense helps. Having elite weapons helps. But the way that it's just, yeah, I'm just going to put it a little bit in front of Debo so he can keep stride and keep going. Yeah, I'm just going to give it to Chris McCaffrey there so we can reach out his arms and keep going. And you think any, any Joe Schmo could do that. Well, no. And I think having Sam Darnold shows us because you could throw Trey out, you could throw Trey out to the window, throw him to Dallas. He's in Dallas. We wish him the best of luck. Watching Sam Darnold and, you know, Brock had, yeah, he played with the ones, but even with Sam Darnold, you can tell 
He can't, he's got the arm talent, There's a but drop again, off there. it's the arm talent for throws that we don't know how often Kyle wants to make. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know why people think that you're a Brock hater because like, I mean, that was a pretty good. I might be being nice here. I might be being nice. Yeah, no, it is. But I, I think you make a good point. I saw someone say, and I don't think it's that far off. People might not hate it because of the comparison to the player, but someone said the mental, okay, anything beyond the arm of Patrick Mahomes, they mm. can see in Brock. Purdy. I saw that. I saw that, that backyard that. football kind of, and like he thinks very quickly. It's very yeah. instinctual. I could see it. I could see mm -hmm. it beyond the arm. Uh, yeah, a mini I, Mahomes. I don't think that's a mini Mahomes. A mini Mahomes. Sure. A mini yeah, Mahomes like with that. his offense, that'll get you number six. That could get you number six. And you know what's funny is like when I watch Mahomes, it reminds me of Steph Curry. Because mm -hmm. like yes. it's very similar ways of like playing. It's like they're just having fun out there and showing yeah. off their talents. <laughs> uh, and it's very exactly. backyardish. So I guess maybe your comparison is is pretty spot on. So, there you go. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, we just got a, a – I just saw a tweet that Trey Sermon was just released by the Eagles. Crazy how that Man. works. Um, how the mighty have fallen. <sighs> but, hey, right before we went live, we were talking about running backs, Alan. And, you know, I've been thinking that the 49ers probably have their best running back group that they've had – since Kyle Shanahan has joined San Francisco. I mean, obviously Christian McCaffrey puts you well ahead of many backfields in the NFL, but I think from top to bottom, even outside of McCaffrey, I think there's some really good depth there. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Mason, and Ty Davis Price. However, I think there's concern over injuries in We've seen injuries in Elijah Mitchell, plenty of them. Yeah. And Christian McCaffrey, while he was healthy for, you know, much of last year with the 49ers, I think it's also a fair concern for Christian McCaffrey. So you have some thoughts on Elijah Mitchell. Care to share those? Yeah. With I mean, I think I really like Elijah Mitchell. And I do believe that, again, going back to Kyle Shanahan's type, he is the type of runner Kyle Shanahan likes, right? He hits that hole. It honestly, to be to be completely honest, he looks like one of those guys that every running back has a running start. It looks like Elijah Mitchell starts like 10 yards back. And by the time he hits the hole, he is full speed. And I love it. Yeah. That's part of the reason I think he, it, it's tough for him to stay healthy. And it's been tough for him to stay healthy. And it's getting to the point now where really it's just a conversation of, I don't know how much running backs need rhythm or how much a running back group needs rhythm to, to perform to the best of their abilities. But you have this guy who's slotted in at number two, who's just missed blocks of time every season. I mean, every year in different parts of the year, would it make more sense to maybe put him at that number three and decide between, I think right now it would be J JP Mason and just go with him and just say, Hey, we can count no, no offense, but you know, right now, and you can come back and beat him, but just putting him back in this number two slot. And to be honest, I don't know about the morale of the group, but maybe Jordan Mason is thinking, all right, well, I'm going to get my shot. No, I don't want anybody to get injured, but chances are I will get a shot here. But I was just curious your thoughts or anybody's thoughts on just the idea of has Elijah Mitchell done enough to just get slotted in at number two. I look early in the off season because of all the injuries that Elijah Mitchell suffered and, and dealt with last season. 
I was thinking Elijah Mitchell might be a trade candidate. Now, the mm. reason I don't really think that now is because he's been injured this offseason, yeah. like much yeah. of much of camp and, and all that. But I have issues with thinking that Elijah Mitchell is reliable mm-hmm. and that you can count on him to stay healthy. I don't think you can. Right. You can't. I mean, you can't. We we know as much like right. that you can't. That is why they they brought in Christian McCaffrey, right? Uh, among other reasons. But Elijah Mitchell, I think he's probably going to make the team. He will probably start the season as RB2. Mm-hmm. Based on what we know and the Elijah Mitchell experience, he will probably get hurt at some and point. Then, yeah, and then Jordan Mason will, you know, become the RB2 as he finished the season last year, right? Yeah. And whether or not like Jordan Mason does enough to, you know, lock down that spot and and take Elijah Mitchell's job there, I think that's we need to see that. Mm-hmm. Jordan Mason has dealt with some fumbles this off season, which he didn't even, he had pretty good ball security last year. And right. so that's something that's kind of rearing its ugly head. And we hadn't seen it before from Mason going into the regular season. If that's something that we see again, that would leave the door open for Elijah Mitchell, even if he did get hurt. Right. Yes. So that's my concern. Yeah. And, and maybe, it's a, it's the idea of being more reliable when you're on the field. Somebody is more one player is more reliable when they're on the field. One player is more reliable to be on the field. So ultimately, that becomes yeah. the conundrum yeah. for Kyle yeah. Shanahan. But, uh, but when you have two healthy guys, and let's not forget TDP, yeah, you're in a great spot. The thing about depth is you everybody wants depth, but you don't necessarily want to want to go through it. Right. I mean, we want to have depth, but we don't want to see every running back. That's not, that's not what we want. So, and it'll be interesting. I mean, look, one name we haven't even said in the backfield is Debo. So Debo is a guy who I think was affected by Christian McCaffrey coming in, changing quarterbacks. Now you got Christian McCaffrey. So Debo, we know he is definitely the way he was running in that preseason game too. We know Debo has something to prove. So is it a, is it a question of when you're trying to choose between Elijah Mitchell or whatever it is, don't forget you still got Debo. So that's another option. I mean, it's just a, a ridiculous amount of weapons that the Niners have, which when you talk about the, the defense taking a step back, I don't know. I know against the chargers, it was third stringers or whatever, but that offense to me, to me, Steph, what it reminds me of, it reminds me of the Patriots offense or a really good offense in general. And that when you watch the Patriots offense or even the Chiefs, you look around, you, you're diagnosing the play as you're sitting on your couch. And when the play happens, okay, it looks like they're dead in the rights and somebody's wide open. Those offenses where it seems like there's an extra guy on the field, but there's not an extra guy on the field, that's when you're really cooking, and that's what this offense feels like. So you don't want to take a step back with the defense, but if you do, now we'll know a lot more after week one because we've only seen them in preseason action. But yeah, as of right now, when Brock Purdy is, is the one running the show, it seems like, seems like, defense just has to be bend don't break right like how many actual pass breakups have you seen very rarely any he overthrew Debo when I don't even know what Debo would have done it was up against the sideline like there's just not a lot of balls that get broken up right and that's partly because of 
Brock's placement and partly because of just having elite weapons to where these yeah. defenders can't stick with. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, I feel very comfortable watching Brock Purdy operate the offense a lot more comfortable than I felt watching Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think yeah. that speaks volumes. So um, we're at about almost 50 minutes here. So we'll take one last question from Quana. One star on the team that progresses and one star who regresses this year. Um, mm. I Let's see. One star on the team that progresses uh maybe this is like too easy of an answer but just at the top of the of my head because you just mentioned him alan debo i mean i think debo he mentioned last season being a down year for him yeah it was still a, a good year but i i think yeah nothing close to the 2021 season i still don't think we'll he'll ever repeat we won't need that to. season he won't need to no that's true that that's also true so He's capable of it. I think we know that. And going into this season, he looks way more in shape. He looks like a different player. He looks like he's ready to put last year behind him yeah. uh, and reach new personal goals. So that's one guy that I can see progressing. And as far as regressing, that's an interesting one. Hmm. Let's see. Do you have a thought on that one? I'm like trying to think. Who, My who progressing would be Drake Jackson. I think I've seen a lot from Drake Jackson, and yeah, I think I like that, that um, he can, you know, he can do some things. I mean, he's a freak athlete, so I, I'm excited for what he can bring next. And I would say regressing, to be honest, this is just process of elimination. Honestly, it could be Brandon Ayuk. I think Brandon Ayuk is right on that really? cusp. I think he's right on that cusp. Uh, he's a very traditional wide receiver and I don't know how much, look, we know he, every year is supposed to be a breakout year when he's already broken out to me. And I do think that when you start looking at these numbers and you know how much, at least last season, how much that Brock Purdy liked Kittle, you start looking around here and I hate to say the, the sports cliche of there's only one ball, but you start looking at Christian McCaffrey, Debo wanting Debo being very open about wanting to come back and, and prove something. You still got Kittle. I, I, I don't think Ronnie Bell would, you know, surpass Ayuk at all, but just, there's just so many options and, and obviously the running back position and they're a run first team to begin with. I don't hope it. And I don't know that it'll happen, but if I had to pick, it would probably just be Ayuk just based on some of the other factors. That's an interesting one. Look, I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah. I I could see it just because for the reasons you mentioned, there's a lot of weapons in this offense. He's somewhat the odd man out. Look, I'll give one for one star player who regresses Nick Bosa, because mm. I, I think there's, there's room for him to maybe, you know, not be that guy just because he hasn't had that lead in time going right. into this season. And we know and he works out, but it's not yeah, the same to me. It's not the same. It's not the same at all. And yes, I, I would bet and I would feel optimistic that he would return to the same form. But there's that chance that all of this like extension stuff has been enough of a distraction that maybe we see a bit of a slump from Nick Bosa this season. And don't let him get hurt because front office would, they would get destroyed. You should have signed him. He would have been out here. Hopefully we don't have to have that conversation because it would Hopefully come so quickly, don't. so quickly. But that's, 
that's a legit risk as well the closer we get to week one absolutely mm-hmm. so um just wanted to address this last question uh judd asked steph you just said you can tell us moody isn't going to kick week one is that official kyle said he's still hopeful i thought um no okay so i i did say that it isn't official so mm-hmm. I, i'm sorry i apologize for that kyle shanahan never said that moody is not kicking week one i just don't think he will like i right. i I, I don't see it happening, but there there could still be a chance. In any case, the 49ers still need to address bringing in another kicker in yes. the meantime. Yeah. So I think it would be safe for them to let that other kicker, whoever that is, kick week one, just because based on what we've seen from Moody so far, it's a little, it's a little shaky. Yeah, I don't know little, if I want to put that out against yeah. the Steelers. So that's just my thought. But yeah, apologies for that. That's not official at all. But, oh, okay. Okay, final, final question. Callie says, are you guys concerned about the depth at DE? Um, Yes and no. I mean, we kind of addressed that at the beginning of the show, talking Mm -hmm. about Nick Bosa. It's going to be magnified, of course, if Nick Bosa is not there. So I think that's what we're worried about first and foremost. I'm not so worried about Drake Jackson. I'm not so worried about Clinton Farrell. Yeah, I agree there. I agree there. All right. Well, We've had a a pretty good show, extensive show, talking about all the questions that the 49ers have going into week one. The fact that we almost went an hour talking about that, not great. So hopefully the the 49ers uh, clean all that stuff up. We get more clarity on some of these things, you know, going into week one. And we'll get some answers as well as the 49ers cut their roster down to 53. But Alan, let everyone know where they can hear you, where they can find your content. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Steph. Uh, you can hear me on 95.7 The Game. I'm a fill-in guy there, so I'll be on Thursday and Friday filling in for Bonte and Shasky on the morning roast with Larry Kruger. So you can find me there. Uh, I'm on social media, obviously, Twitter, X, Instagram, at the underscore Styles Files, Styles with an I. I have a – I just started a YouTube channel uh, nice. maybe about a month ago, Styles Files, so you can find me there. Um, doing similar things. And I had on Ray Ratto on my show not too long ago, doing interviewing kind of you know, media members that have been around. I'm trying to get some athletes, but I'm working on it. I'm, I'm working on my, got my clout up first before I can pull some athletes. So uh, that's where you can find me. Oh, you got clout. Come on now. But uh, <laughs> Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. For all of you guys that tuned in, thank you. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. But for now, have a good rest of your Tuesday, folks. Peace.